No matter the industry, leaders need to hold these things dear. Who we serve, how we serve, why we serve. This is People Process Service, a frontline source group podcast. Welcome to another episode of People Process Service. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us today. With me, as always, is Bill Casco, President and CEO of Frontline Source Group. Bill, it's good to talk to you, man. Great to see you. Great to see you as well. Having a good, uh, having a good day so far? I'm having a great day. This is exciting. So the studio is all refreshed and new and... Feels like uh, I'm on a whole different place over here. You're you christening it, actually. Like, you guys are the yeah. first people here to, you know, for the first uh, in-studio podcast. We're going to try not to break anything today, so this <laughs> ought to be fun. But, Bill, we've had some uh, incredible guests on the podcast so far. It's been a really, really awesome time just getting to hear how People Process Service kind of works in the lives and in the careers of different people across different industries. But I think our guest today is going to be the first guest who manages the day-to-day operations of 1.8 million square feet. And uh, I could be wrong about that, but I, I think I think I'm probably correct in saying that. Uh, we're happy to welcome Adam Bernhardt, uh, VP Senior General Manager at JLL. Adam, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, Adam, just give us kind of an idea. What's what's the day to day look like for a guy like you that manages uh, the tallest building in Dallas, along with a couple of other properties around here? Uh, well, it's um, you know you plan out your work and you try to do your work, and then uh, you get interrupted by. Uh, Lots of unexpected items, so it's it's uh it's always uh something new and a challenge and interesting and so uh, I've got a great team and that that's the only way to make it accomplishable is uh, leaning on the team. So you know when I thought about this whole thing and we talked about it, it, when I think about Adam, which is what he does and everything else, it's running a city. Yeah. And and when we start thinking about the people process service, he actually runs a city, and that's the most amazing part is that. You don't think about that, that it's like it. But when you realize the stats of this building, and so there's a lot of stats out there, uh, yeah. and like 39th tallest building in the country, right? Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But like 36 of those are all in New York City. <laughs> so so technically, it's like the third largest If you outside. take out New York and Chicago, I think it's like, you know, this. That's there. right. Yeah. And yeah. even the new ones that have come online are only, you know, like, five inches taller or something just so they can win the award. But it's a city in itself at 1.8 or 1.9 million square feet. You have your own sanitation department. You have uh, your own police force, technically. You have uh, a maintenance crew. So it's as if you had people doing you know, the, the, the work out in the city and, and taking care of the plants and everything else that takes place. You have tenants, which are almost like residents, Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think one of the things that was interesting too, it's, it, you kind of collect taxes every month. <laughs> we gotta- uh, and so, and, and then on top of that, you have outside, uh, issues that, that take place in our day to day world that we live in today, which affect you. And so you're, the people part of this is the most important part. And you, and you brought that up that you you have these great group of people that are around you every day, but kind of talk about that and we, with the group that is here right now that you work with. Sure. Sure. So we've got, uh, boy, on a day-to-day basis, our team that takes care of the property um, is about 96 to 100 people that are directly active on the property. And that includes uh, our employees that are JLL employees, which are administrative staff, our engineering team. Uh, we've got a security contractor that uh, provides security services for the building, janitorial, uh, parking as well. 
Um, so it's, it's a big group of people, and it takes everybody kind of having the same vision as to what we're trying to do in order to uh, make everything operate smoothly. Uh, it is, it's the third tallest building. We've got 18,000 panes of glass on the building, so it takes a long time to wash the windows or just simple stuff. How do you get the trash out of the building? Kind of gets compounded. It's not as easy as just taking your bin to the curb uh, kind of thing. So, so the, the team that is here, you've been here now for? A little over five years. Five mm-hmm. years. A lot of the team was here, obviously, before you came. Yes, we have some been here for more than 26 years, and then a couple have been here about 20 years. So, yeah. And it's not so easy just to walk into a building and understand. I mean, you're, this is huge, uh, and there's so many integral pieces that take place, and it, the footprint is so large. How how are those, those individuals that you have today, their tenure, uh, their knowledge base, and relying back on the people to make that success, how do you structure that with them? I mean, is from a management standpoint and managing that vast array, it's not just the people necessarily, but it's each one of these different departments to kind yeah. of bring together. Yeah, different different groups and uh, totally different skill sets in a lot of different areas. Um, so you have to have specialists, but at the same time, they have to be able to have a broad enough vision to understand how what they do impacts uh, what another person's going to do and, and whose ultimate responsibility it is to accomplish things, but also how do we provide the overall service to continue to lift the services as a whole? Otherwise, we'll just be compartmentalizing and they'll say, that's not my J-O-B. And, and so it's, it's really leadership in the culture and putting forth a vision as to we're all here together working for the same kind of goals and uh, making sure that we have a lot of communication. We communicate a lot. Um, with through our staff meetings and then through even with you guys directly through our tenant notices and things like that, just to say this is what's going on and um, keep an eye out for. But the building things. is iconic. It, I mean, think it about is. it. Yeah. Every time we watch a cowboy game, every time there is something going on in Dallas, that that skyline of the neon, it's always there. It is. That's one of the great benefits of uh, working at a uh, building like this is the recognition that comes along with it. And, and, and you get to point, it doesn't matter where you are. You can say, Hey, do you recognize this building? And people say, yes, I sure do. That's in Dallas and stuff. So that, yeah, it's, it's pretty iconic. So that I, makes I it can fun. remember a couple of years ago, even when you were going through the transition on the neon lights mm-hmm. and you were up, yep. updating all the light system and changing it to a color thing and the light, it went out. It was dark for there was a period of time. I don't think it was a long period of time. Yeah. It was it, several months. Okay. Yes, well, yes, it was yes, longer yes. than I remembered. <laughs> But I can, I remember it being on the news. Yeah, it was like the building has gone dark, uh, and people recognized the fact that this building that's standing there, and, and at night when it's turned on and it glows, you can see it from from such a wide area that it just makes such a difference. Yeah, that's the reason they chose the greens because you can see that the furthest with the naked eye. So, but now we have the ability to do just about any color in the rainbow and add in movement if we want. Um, so it's cool. It's, it's, it's neat. And so that's what we use to help support charities and things like that. Coming up, uh, in, uh, January, we have the big decline to climb the stairs and we'll turn red for leukemia lymphoma foundation to help give them support for it. We've, we've done that the last few years. So, and that's a good little uh, question for you too. Is it 72 floors? Is it 74 floors? Is it seven? What is it exactly? Because that, I've read all these different things. And when we do the climb, they claim it's 70, yet you do the climb and it looks like it's like 68. Is it really 70? I mean, what are you counting? <laughs> so there are, um, 
Yeah, it's labeled the 72nd floor is the highest floor you can get on, but there's it's kind of a mezzanine in between. So I office on five, which is the lowest floor you can office on other than the ground floor. Okay. Uh, so there's a little gap. Yes, okay. but we do have a 13. So, oh. Yeah, which is some, some buildings skip that, but we do have a 13. It's an important distinction. And, and when you look at the team that you have and, and the, the key people that you focus in, how, how does that play in the way that you operate the business with those individuals and when you go home at night? Is it similar in, in many ways, the way that you operate? A lot of it is very similar, but there are differences in your roles. Um, here at the building, I'm not the smartest guy on my team or smartest gal on my team. I have to rely on experts in certain areas kind of things. And at home, same thing. My wife knows things that I don't know. She has an insight and a feel for things that um, I don't know. And she's a CPA, so there's things I'll just yield to and say, that's not that, – yes, ma'am. Right. Um, so there's a – yeah, a lot of what I do and the way – I fashion my life as the same consistent at work as well as at home. Right. To me, I mean, there's some differences in what it is you're actually doing in certain roles. If I'm playing on a sports team or something, uh, if I play one position versus another, I'm going to have a slightly different role. Um, So I see that kind of as the same at work and at home, slightly different positions, but still the same methodologies mostly. And the tenant change that's taken place, I mean, have you changed the way that we, we, we would call it the process that we operate in, but from a business model, with your tenant changes over the years, have you watched that change in this building or been able to see a different type of tenant wanting to be in the building compared to years ago? Or what, what's kind of been the change from the process side for you guys? Sure. Um, so there's, we're impacted by the forces of the market. So the, some of the tenants have changed just because of the nature of their business changes. Uh, so, you know, law firms don't need as many square feet as they used to. And, and, and banking, as technology comes in, you know, you can have one employee do more and be more productive with less resources. And uh, so that that's changed kind of the way the building's operated in that we have more tenants than we used to have, even though they're taking up maybe the same amount of space and each individual tenant's taking up less space. But then that's freed up space for technology companies like MarketScale to come in mm-hmm. and create a great environment within the building that helps make for a more diverse community, which for us is part of our overall goal is creating community within the building. If it is like a city, well, you want everyone to get along. You want to make sure that um, you have successful companies of all types so that then this, the entity itself, the city or the building becomes successful and, and can be sustainable long term. Um, so with these changes of bringing in diversity, it makes for a more um, energetic and engaging environment overall. So, th- so we've purposefully tried to diversify who's here at the building and uh, what all we do to build community so that all of these people can kind of get along and interrelate and build off of each other. That's really interesting. Now, you kind of talk about how people and how you want a diverse group of people here. When I think about a building, you know, it's an inanimate object that's filled with people that have personalities and characteristics and that sort of thing. What's the process by which you go to hire people to work here? And what kinds of characteristics, personalities do you look for? And what's the process like when you when you go to hire people that, that work here in the building? Yeah. So um, number one, call Bill. When we have an open, um, we appreciate that very much. Thank you. <laughs> that's always rule number yes, one. That's always call, great. Call Bill. So, um, you know, technology has kind of helped uh, commoditize what happens in our consumer society a lot. So our focus really is what is the specific need that we have? And then how, when we fill that need, 
um, can we grow that person to be able to grow out of that need and expand so that we can cover more ground with less resources than in the past? So we look for individuals that are service minded because we're in the service business. Hmm. And so we look for that primary and foremost because I can train someone how to move up and do other things. It's hard to train someone to be service oriented if they're already in their mid twenties and or, or beyond and it's either in them or it's not at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we focus a lot on our own culture and how we align up with that individual. Do they have a drive to be self-fulfilled by providing good service to someone? And then we start to see, okay, what experience does that person have and how does that um, help meet the needs of what we have and how can they grow out from there? So the process is we, we have to make sure they we have – Several people in our office that interview the individuals, uh, we, they have to be qualified. And then once they're qualified, we start to look for those cultural kind of service-minded aspects to find the right person to meet, meet the needs of our organization. Yeah, it's a beautiful building. It, it, as we discussed, iconic. Everybody knows about it. But it also makes it a target mm-hmm. every day. Sure. How, how do you look at that and, and and realize you're kind of responsible for protecting a lot of the people that are in your everyday. I mean, that that part of the job, to me, would be one of the most trying to know you have to have the right process in place to, to look out for everyone. Yeah. So the, so when you talk process and life safety, it's, it's about a priority alignment. So one of the first things that we make sure we do is that we have our systems functioning the way that they need to function and that the uh, those systems are the are the best that we can get in order to provide and keep people safe should something happen right. um so we focus a lot on that and put it on the early end of the chain. And then once you know that that's good in place, well, now how do you build upon that? So we build relationships with the local police department, with uh, government, federal government officials and things, Homeland Security and things like that, to in order to have insight and early looks into if there's a threat or if there's an issue or something like that. So you try to take that core response, the 101 of I can get people out of the building or I can train them and teach them how to be safe should an emergency occur, bad weather or something. But then you try to get, how do I then extend that early reaction to make sure that we can help protect the individuals in the building early on? Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of you start with your basic, but then you have to enhance it and add to it. As yeah, you- and what's interesting is it's almost as if that's like the worst case scenario of things, right? Mm-hmm. But you have day-to-day deal with things like theft within the building. You have to deal with a slip and fall within the building. You have to deal with things that are totally unforeseen, as happened a few years ago with a, a shooter on a rampage. Although no one was hurt in the building, shot up the windows and everything that went mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. Those are the things to me that they're the unforeseen, but then yet there's certain things that are, I would imagine, routine with theft or a slip and fall or even a medical emergency that takes yeah. place in the building. You guys are fantastic with the communication piece, but understanding so many of these little pieces that take place day to day, I don't think anyone really thinks about that. I mean, yeah. we're up in our office. We don't know what's going on downstairs. You go down to get a cup of coffee and it's like, oh, look, there's an ambulance out front. And you don't realize that it's someone just had a heart attack on the 32nd floor. 
I mean, that happens when you're in, in such a structure with so many people. It does. And and so the processes are really important with that in that you, you want to build processes so that in a normal occurrence, everybody that's on the team knows what's going to happen and, and, and what they need to do so that you can start responding right away. Each emergency response is different. And so you can't build processes that are going to answer 100% of the questions whenever something's happening. But if the whole team has already said, this is the only difference, well, then they know 95% of what's going to happen and how it's going to be done. And they know our mindset because of our culture on how we're going to respond. So they can start to make assumptions of what direction do I need to, to go in? How do I need to address this? When I ask Adam, what are we supposed to do here? I'm already going to be pre-thinking what he's going to respond as. So you try to build processes that cover 95 uh, percent of the work, and then you deal with that five percent exceptions as you as you go along. And if you train those kind of things and you work them out, and we rely on, you know, I mentioned great people. We rely on experienced people that have been through this for years and years and years, and building off of their successes and their failures uh, in order to learn from each one to be able to say next time we're going to do it this this way a little differently. So if we have an incident, we'll have a debrief and we'll talk about what happened, what went well, what didn't. And how do we fix it so that this doesn't happen again, the bad parts, mm -hmm. and how we can be more successful next time? Talk about the, uh, the garbage. I know it's <laughs> an interesting topic to have. I, I'm just going to jump out there and talk about the garbage. There's a lot of garbage in this building. Yeah, right? there, every night. Yeah, yeah. So we restock about 1,400 rolls of toilet paper every day. So you that's know, a lot, lot, a lot of flushes. That's got to go All back right. out somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... You do a lot of recycling also, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's a big footprint. Yeah. I mean, when you really think about it, the number of people in here operating, just like you said, with the restrooms, but just the regular ongoing trash and, and the amount that you guys do recycle. I mean, yeah. that was probably not the same way 10 years ago that it is today. That's correct. So now, I mean, you think about it, really, we should have minimal garbage coming out and a ton of recycling. Um, and that's changed a little bit as papers have, as companies have gone more paperless. But about 70% of everything that comes out of the building can be recycled. So we try to implement and structure programs so that we recover all that and it, it gets, you know, taken to a recycling company and it reduces operating costs and it's better for the environment. So many different reasons for why we should do it that way. And then you take the other 30% and uh, get that. That goes to the landfill, so not much we can do with that. So we even do electronic recycling to tell the tenants, hey, once a year, twice a year, we're going to be doing this from this date to this date, so just bring your old TV or your old computer monitor that you're supposed to dispose of, and we'll haul it off for you. We'll get it taken care of for you. Um, so we're trying to find ways to get everything uh, sustainable uh, so that we don't impact the environment as much as, as we possibly could. But it takes – we've got – um, side bin containers, blue containers, and black containers at every desk in order to do that. We're trying to get away from the black containers at the side desk and train people that nothing goes in. You know, the only thing you can dispose of is a recyclable product unless you go to the restroom or to the kitchenette or whatever, so that it's just difficult right now making all that. But the majority of the everything that comes out of the building, the refuse is recyclable, 70%. Adam, how has automation really kind of changed processes for you? I know that's kind of been a big trend in the industry and a big trend for people that, that are in the business that you're in. How has automation really changed a lot of what you guys do on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, uh, quite a bit. So, you know, uh, 20 years ago, if a light bulb was out, somebody had to tell 
person A would tell person B in the tenant office and person B would then call down to our office and that person C would then get on the radio and call um, engineer D who would then get his <laughs> cart, figure, come up, look at the bulb, go back down, get the right bulb, come back up, get the ladder out and reinstall it and that kind of stuff. So uh, what's changed now? And he'd stop by tenant person B on the way out saying, okay, it's fixed. So now if you follow that whole process, uh, one person can enter in a work order on their phone, and we even have uh, have it automated where now you can just talk into your phone, and it'll put out a work order that immediately pings the engineer, so it skips the, the phone calls in between. Um, the engineer knows which light it is. He knows which bulb to come up, so he comes the first trip. Uh, it's only one trip. Um, and then he's able to replace it. So there's that. There's LED lights that now that light's only going to go out once every five years instead mm -hmm. of once every year or something like that. So that technology helps us as well. We have uh, systems that talk to each other more now. So if uh, one person is cold and in an office space or something and they call it in, they the engineer doesn't even have to come up and adjust the thermostat. It's all done electronically. They can do it uh, wherever they are. If they're changing a light bulb down the hall, they can uh, change the thermostat back the other end of the hall uh, over their phone with the systems that are going in. So it's, it's 38 it, degrees this morning here in Dallas. My <laughs> office was it, it was burning up. <laughs> Something was not right. And it was a simple, easy task. I went in, put the request, mm -hmm. and said, turn it down. And then it was done. And it was, it was, they never came up. They never had to do anything. They could do it remotely. And it's, it, it's really fantastic. And you get the notice also that, hey, we've it's done been this. Completed. Here's exactly. what we're done. Right. Or I have to order a part. I'll be back, right. you know, by such and such. So it, it, it's part of closing in gaps and working more efficiently. And with the integration, it saves electricity. So now the tighter we can control the systems of the building, well, that saves electricity. So it lowers costs, makes us more efficient. And, and you really, you touched on the service part of the hiring and the people and everything about the service and your staff understands that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the entire staff in this building understands that their whole goal is the service of the tenant. Every part, every aspect, or greeting yeah. the people or security greeting or the cleaning crew, whatever it may be. And that really is, I think, key. It's a high priority for us. It yeah. really is. I mean, if, you know, I talked a little bit about um, technology, commoditizing services and things like that. If... If you typed into the computer, my office is hot, and then no one ever responded or anything like that, and it just changed, do you need people that have the skill set that can interact with people? A lot of people think, no, you don't. But we think if you want to provide service, if you want to continue to maintain solid relationships with people, you have to have that uh, communication skill to be able to have a face-to-face -face conversation with a CEO or with a plumber or just about any level. And uh, it takes that clear communication to really – uh, create an environment where companies like MarketScale and Frontline can be successful in what they're doing. We're trying to get out of the way and stay back and just make it a great environment for you guys. So it's having the right people trained up to provide a service and and teaching them how to see how that's important, that y'all are successful in order for them to be successful, in order to uh, create that environment. But you just said it earlier even. So you have a 70-story building. You don't have you, you don't have 70 tenants or even mm -hmm. – you know, 20 tenants and each one is taking up five floors. Mm -hmm. Instead, you have... Uh, how many do we have? We have 46 plus another um, 15 uh, retail tenants. Well, we got to get you more. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, your service ability is, is, is that number. And, and as mm -hmm. companies consolidate or change and work more remote, 
and they don't need, need as much space, you end up with more tenants yeah. and you end up with more people in here. Yep. And so that service level has to continue because that's what they expect. They expect that in a building like this, that that's what they're going to be getting back from someone. And that's what you guys give. That's why you've won all these awards and people look at it because of the fact that you're hiring the right people. You've got the process in place and you're giving that service that comes back, which if we lived in a city that did that, can you imagine what we would get? If we were able to actually <laughs> put in a request, get a pothole fixed and it was done within like an hour, that would mm-hmm. be incredible. You know, yeah, that's that what you great. guys are doing. You're, you're, you're taking care of that problem and solving it and giving that service back. Yeah, that's what we're trying to, to achieve. I mean, that's the way to differentiate ourselves. You can find other buildings, but you may not be able to find one that has all the modern technology or is as cared for as it is. And even then, um, the difficulty is going to be, do I get the service? Am I asked to go take care of everything as a tenant, or is someone else going to take care of things for me? You've got to say, when, when we work out our lease agreement, we're committing to provide you service. And so... You, we're dedicated to making sure that that's fulfilled. Uh, some places, not so much. So you you have to make sure if you want to be the best in the business, you've got to make sure that you stay sharp and you continue to have the right people to provide those services, to, to see the vision of we want to continue to raise the bar. And that gets back to, I think, another part of what you guys do is, is it's about why do you do what you do? And that's why we look for, is that person that's going to join our team someone that is a natural service provider? We don't have a bunch of uh, salespeople that are just going to come up and try to appease the person that's currently complaining at the moment. We have people that want to find the source problem and dig down and provide a solution so that you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day, for the rest of the month, three years later. I don't want to talk about toilets the entire time, but (laughs) I do want to bring this up. So we recently had an issue, and this goes to your example, and it's really, it's a positive one. It's not. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We had a stench coming from the men's restroom. I mean, it could be at four in the morning and it was coming from this place. And I think everybody thought I was crazy. And I kept saying, no, I'm telling you guys, this is, it's horrific. And they would show up later in the day maybe 11 or 12 and it'd be like, yeah, but you know, everybody's in here. It's just, it's just normal restroom stuff. I said, no, 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 no. Come back at like six in the morning or come back at six at night when nobody's, I'm telling you it's here. Went on and on. And finally they kept trying to figure out what it was. And finally some people did actually do that Mm -hmm. because they thought they, I think they were trying to prove I was crazy. (laughs) They came back in and said, oh my gosh, that's even worse than we thought. The next thing I know, they were ripping walls apart to, to figure out where it was coming from. Not one wall. I'm talking inside, outside, the, on the weekends they were up. It was crazy until they figured out where it was coming from and, and fixed the problem. And I got to be honest, I really thought it was just one of these things I'm just going to have to complain about nonstop. It would never be fixed. Or they got sick of me complaining about it. But when they realized, no, there was a problem. They, they went above and beyond to find the problem, not to just cover it up, but to dig down, get creative outside of the box. How do we fix this? And, mm-hmm. and actually resolved it. And we wouldn't say it's above and beyond, but it's our commitment. I mean, we have to – you're not going to be satisfied. We're not going to provide that service we said we were going to provide you unless we find the source problem. Right. We can put a Band-Aid on it, put a little air freshener in there. We can say Bill's crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's going to continue until we drill down and find the exact source of the problem right. and get it fixed. So, um, yeah, we try to focus on let's work the issue. 
And that's part of our culture is let's find that core problem. Don't worry about, uh, uh, you know, the color, as they may say, and things like that with personalities involved. What is the problem? What's the issue? Let's focus on that and let's get it resolved. Why do you think companies uh, move to Uptown or there's been such growth in Uptown with the new buildings compared to like this building? Is it just because it's new or? Dallas is uh, enjoys flash, but um, part of it is I believe a lot of those tenants are law firms, financial firms that are hiring the best talent they can hire. And it's a very competitive market. Uh, I don't need to tell you that. Right, right, finding right. Talent. And so they feel that that gives them a competitive advantage um, being in Uptown because that's where those new people want to be. Those, that type of talent wants to be. And they're willing to pay a higher rental rate in order to do that, to be there so that they can recruit. Uh, the growth downtown has been phenomenal over the last few years. and Downtown's great. You now is. you walk up and down Main Street, there's so many restaurants, there's bars. It may not be a 24-7 city, but it's it's getting to an 18-hour city. Right. Um, it's not a ghost town af- uh, anymore. So, I mean, there's a lot of activity and mm-hmm. things going on. So, yeah, downtown's great. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of downtown. I enjoy uptown, but uh, I'd rather walk downtown any day. Well, we're a big fan of this building, and uh, obviously we made another commitment to be here for another 10 years and we're not going anywhere. And to (laughs) us, it's interesting because I'll be on the phone with someone who's in, it doesn't matter what city. And uh, they'll say, well, where in Dallas are you? And I'll be like, you know, that tall green building on the Cowboy Games and and every, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just, it just stands out. In fact, last night someone asked me uh, why we had our headquarters in downtown Dallas and not in Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. And I said, because there isn't a building like this in Fort Worth. Hmm. That's why, yeah. period. And right. to me, every day walking in here, it's a sense of just pride and joy and, and excitement, just like it is when you go home to the city that you live in and you're happy to be there, and that's the reason you're there. It's the same thing with this. And I, I 100% believe that the awards, you guys have won some incredible awards, by the way, right, just recently. Yeah, so we won the uh, 2018, there's an organization, uh, Building Owners and Managers Association, which is an international association, and we won the, they have Outstanding Building of the Year, they call it TOBY for short, and uh, uh, lots of categories for refurbished properties, for different size properties, and in our second year trying, we were able to win the uh, million-plus-square-foot category of existing buildings. So it was, it was a great win for us. You know, but we didn't do it the first year out. It, it took some retooling and reworking and stuff, but our team was able to uh, go represent. Really, it's about telling the story of, mm-hmm. of the building. A lot of, uh, in that competition, of a lot of what you do is you just tell what it is you do on a day-to-day basis and the impact that it has. And have you guys ever, have ever thought about putting residential into the building? I mean, I know there's been there were rumors at one time about some type of a hotel thing, but what about the residential? You see that so much. Real estate's about highest and best use, right. and there's so many conversions. When you layer in those multi-use kind of items, it it becomes uh, more complex. And with the uh, new properties that are coming in li- online that are built to accommodate those joint uses, um, it, it's much easier. So I think right now in the current market and climate. The highest best use of the building is office space. So uh, we haven't explored residential, uh, to my knowledge, since I've been here. I'd be too close to take an elevator down to take an elevator up to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> be a little crazy. Yeah, make yeah. life a little too uh, 
Maybe not. It might not be good for me, to be honest. <laughs> Work life balance is a thing, you yeah. know? <laughs> Need to leave a little bit and walk away for a little bit, too. Yeah. You're almost any, here all the time anyway. But. I feel like it. I do. Uh, is there anything cool you guys are doing in the building that's outside the box that others aren't doing that you've got on the plans? Let's see. One of the, uh, not pending plans, but one of the existing upgrades we're doing right now is, you know, this building's elevators, there's two cab stacks. So it's like a double-decker bus travel up and down the hoistway. And uh, we're putting in destination dispatch. And so there is uh, one other building in the United States that is going through that kind of uh, upgrade right now, and it's in New York. Um, other than that, nobody else has done it. So it's um, it's happening here. We're kind of goes back to the automation to thing, yeah. right? Yep, yep. Yeah. So it'll 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 be great. It'll help us uh, move people faster and better. Um, get you in so that you can be more productive quicker and uh, uh, therefore more successful. So it's and it's an ownership's uh, investment reinvestment into the building, uh, mm-hmm. like they always do. So I mean, the tenants don't pay for it. Another another crazy question. Yeah. Uh, why why don't buildings just all have solar panels on top of it? That's a good question. Well, we've got a smaller uh, um, space up there, right. smaller footprint overall, I guess, for seventy because we're tall instead of wide. Um, but we also have antennas and things like that, other mechanical systems up there that right. um, are utilized. I think that as technology advances, you'll find more and more of them yeah. uh, where they are coated with that. The new buildings going up in Westlake where Fidelity is going in and um, Schwab, they're bigger campuses spread out. So they're going to, I think you're going to see a lot more solar panels coming in. Building them into the windows and all this other crazy stuff that they're doing. And you guys just replaced, that's another thing that's mind boggling, 18,000 window panes. Is that what it is or something? Oh my gosh. Is that crazy? That's insane. (laughs) And and I don't know how the windows sustain the, some of the storms and we have been through some of them in the building. Oh my gosh. Just this year, even, I don't even know how to explain what they do. It's like they flutter in and out mm-hmm. somehow. And yet they never b- seem to break. Uh, and, and then it's just mind boggling to me. Even the building will have people in and it's windy and yeah. they'll say, well, does it ever really sway? And we're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sways. It's supposed to sway. Yeah. Yeah. It's made uh, to flex. Thank you for the pro. Professional engineers that designed that. So, yeah. And how, how far is that supposed to flex? Uh, not very far. Just um, it's probably at most maybe uh, six inches to a foot each way. Yeah. Yeah, that's not very much. No. I'm glad smart people than me put this together, you know. Like uh, back in the day when I was building Legos and yeah. that kind of thing and, and – this isn't a Lego yeah, set, yeah, Tyler. I'm yeah, sorry. That's, that's that's where my uh, building career ended, and I'm very thankful for that, and everyone else should be. <laughs> we, we were in the building a couple years ago when a tornado came through, mm. uh, and, it, and it went through Uptown. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were you know, very lucky. Everybody was in the, in the stairwells and everything else. But uh, the windows, I really thought, were just going to be sucked right off the side. They were. I have never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And uh, it's just incredible when you go through it, especially the winds high up that we have here yeah there can be a big difference from the ground up to the top so just yeah. it's just again it's like it's it truly is a city uh, maintaining the the environment inside the the temperature uh, being correct as we discussed for everybody all throughout and then the fluctuations in the summertime mm-hmm. 100 and something down on the ground and when we're higher it's it's much much warmer higher up and somehow keeping it cool yeah just yeah. unbelievable it, it, it's an incredible place to work, so I'm privileged to be able to come to work here. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah, and this has been an awesome look at the city within a city, you know, yeah. how it works, how people process service plays into it, all equal parts building on one another and how important it is just to the day-to-day operation of uh, 
of a big building like this one. So and it just comes to a, it's a strong leader, and I really yeah. you, you're a fantastic uh, manager and man and everything else, and it's it's very very nice to have you here uh, for us. And it, well, thank and you, I appreciate we, that. We really do appreciate you very much as well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, Adam. Thank you so much for being here today and being on this episode of People Process Service. Really, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So next week we have uh, Mike Schneider who was the anchor on Channel uh, 5 yeah, uh, for like 30 years for NBC, uh, coming on the show excited. He's now the uh, communications director for the Tarrant County District Attorney's Office. So we're excited about that. Do you know Mark Cuban, by the way? Adam? Do you <laughs> I know do. Him? Do you know Not him? personally, no. I, oh, I've worked, um, oh, we're going to get close. I thought I was all excited. In the okay. past, yeah. I serviced some of his properties Okay, uh, when I was all with right. another company. Yeah. yeah. We're still looking for that person that uh, we, we just we want to get him on here, want to talk to him. And everybody says I should just reach out to him. But uh, I figured I would try a different route before I try it the one way and get shot down. You know, <laughs> you know what we should do is Mark Cuban has a – doesn't he have a social media app called Cyberdust? Okay. I think that's I think that's the avenue, right? If you want to reach the cubes, I think you got to mm-hmm. go through his. Maybe avenue. that's what I need to do. Maybe yeah, I exactly. just need to reach out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're excited for uh, Mike Schneider next week. But Adam, thank you. Appreciate it very much. You're welcome. Yeah. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode. As always, subscribe iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts if that's uh, if that's your flavor, and uh, be sure to look out for future episodes of People Process Service. Bill, thanks for being here. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Tyler. See you next week. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.